I am, I have my socks knocked off uh, by Jesus' words so many different times. It's amazing. But in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 is where you got to go. We're going to start reading at verse 13 through 19. This is going to be a very short message. I know you'll be disappointed in that. But you may want to warn Junior Church that we'll be out early. If you, if you can believe this or not, when I quit early, Junior Church get mad at me. They do, they get mad at me. You don't get mad. I never hear any of you complain. But I mean, uh, <clears throat> they, uh, they, they'll, they'll sometimes get upset with me. Like, preacher, man, we weren't done with our Bible story yet. Okay. Years ago, somebody came to me in 1992. I became a senior pastor here. I'd been assistant pastor for 11 and a half years with Pastor McKinney. I helped start. We helped start the church. I preached the third Sunday they met, fifth Sunday they met, joined up about the third month, and became assistant pastor here. And we were humble. When I say humble, I mean humble. Humble. When you start a church, it's a humbling experience. It is something that I can't even explain to you. You would never be able to know unless you've done it. It's humble when at Sunday night, only three, four people show up. Four or five people. When you've prepared just as much, you've prepared for a thousand. And so you do it unto God. And you just keep doing it. And you keep doing what's right. We started door to door. Started a bus, bus minister, by the way. A little rusty old van from up north. You could stick your hand through the size of it. But we got it cheap. Everything we bought was cheap. And we would uh, just, we ran that van. Jim McCullum, Ernie Stewart, and others ran. And we had, we had a bus minister. We had more children than we did adults by far. We would get 20 kids on a Sunday, 25 kids on a Sunday. We'd have 10 adults. And uh, it's a humbling thing that we started this. Uh, and I'm always looking at how to, how to grow the church, early on especially. How do, how do you grow a church? How does a church grow? There are many barriers to church growth. Some of them are recognized and written about. Books are written about them. One of them is the 100 barrier, how to break the 100 barrier. It's a big day when a church breaks 100 people. It's a big day. I don't know why, but it's a big day. And it's a bigger day when a church will break the 200 barrier. They call it the 200 barrier. Books are written about it. Church growth seminars are done about it. How to break the 200 barrier. Somebody gave me a book. I suppose this would be back in about 1992. We were running about 100. And back in 1992, gave me a book on how to break the 200 barrier. Amen? Want to break 200 barrier. So I, I picked it up and I said, well, I'll give it a read. <clears throat> and... Most of the emphasis of the book was placed on methods, methods, uh, our decor, make sure your decor is so-so, make sure your place is clean, you know, common sense stuff, clean. It talked about friendliness, talked about trying to be friendly to people when you don't know who they are, don't walk away from them, go shake their hand, say, I don't know you, I don't recognize you. And that's good, Stephen, now. That's good no matter when. You're going to be friendly. God's people ought to be friendly. Uh, I talked about having parking lot, brother, parking lot attendants, and not let people struggle on their parking and have not know where to park, not know how to park, to help them, have people out there helping them where to go, and also on their way out, 
and, and doing that kind of thing. And so it was just common sense things. And I was really disappointed when I finished reading the book. I was very disappointed. Because it didn't mention what I'm fixing to read. It didn't mention God's method of building a local church. Because, see, this isn't my church. I don't like it when people say, Pastor Lytell's church or your church. Because it never was my church. I didn't pay for you. I didn't die for you. I didn't make salvation available for you. Jesus made it for you. And Jesus made it for me. I'm just part of the local church, as you are, as a born-again believer. And so, let's begin to read here in verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Son of Man meant representative of all men. Son of God meant representative of God. Jesus was incarnated to represent God to man and to represent men to God. It's beautiful. It was uniquely begotten. Nobody else like him. Nobody else will ever be like him. It was God joined with man so that they could too be, understand each other. And, and they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, and one of the, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But whom... Say ye that I am. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow. This morning, let's stop there. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Say amen. Mm-hmm. And listen to what Jesus says to you, to you, who just said that. He says, Blessed art thou, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. But my Father, which is in heaven, did you ever count yourself that highly privileged? That God who made everything and holds everything together, by Him all things consist, took the time and has taken the time to reveal to you who Jesus is? But if He hadn't done that, you wouldn't have it. You wouldn't get it. And you'd be out there like you were before you got saved. How were you before you got saved? You were in unbelief. You were in darkness, the Bible calls it. Walking around, not knowing where you're going. Don't know what's going to happen after death. Don't know why you're here. Don't know what your purpose is. Don't know what God's doing through this whole thing called life. Now you know all that. Most of you that read through the Bible this year, you know God's grandiose plan for it all. And you even know how it's going to end. The world's out there in panic over pandemics and, and China and Russia and war and everything. And God's children sit back near the fire going, God's got it under control. God's going to take care of it. 
I know how it ends. And guess how it ends? Jesus wins. He wins. Righteousness wins over wickedness, progressivism, and all that other junk out there. God wins. Dear Christian, relish it a little. Rejoice in it a little. That Christ Jesus has been revealed to you by God the Father. And that's not some red-faced Baptist preacher with a red jacket. That's the Holy Spirit. He said right there, My Father which is in heaven, look in verse 18, and this is a key verse, And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and that means uh, uh, a little rock, a little stone, a little pebble. And upon this rock, that word, that second word rock means like Gibraltar, mountain, massive granite structure. So he's not referring to Peter. He said, Peter, you're a little pebble, but upon this rock, what rock? The confession that he just made. What's the context? What's the context? He just said, Thou art to Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, This was revealed to you not by flesh and blood, but by my Father which is in heaven. He said, You're a little stone, Peter, but upon this massive granite mountain of, of solid rock, that is that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church on that. And the church is built on Jesus. And the church is built by Jesus. It's not built by some fancy dancy, uh, I'm going to teach you how to handshake and be friendly and take care of the parking lot and do all of that other stuff. Now there's nothing wrong with any of that, by the way. But don't give that the credit. You're here today because the Holy Spirit drew you here First of all, drew you to himself, revealed to you who Jesus was. You got born from above. And you decided to come into a local church and hearing a preaching the preaching the Bible was a good thing. God also is in that too. Hmm. He says, I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Well, let me finish that verse. Thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. And I like the last part. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell. And that's what we're seeing in America today. You're getting to see the gates of hell a little. The word gates means consuls. Consuls of hell. Uh, they're, they're, they're always brewing something up to overcome righteousness. And overcome good. And overcome uh, the, the things that are pure and holy but they're not going to win. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter uniquely was given, if I may say, the right or the power to open the gospel to the Jews, which he did. He was given the right and the power to open the gospel to the, to the Samaritans, and he did. He was given the right and the power to open the gospel to the Gentiles, Acts 10, and he did. And when he opened that, it went wild from that point on. He opened it to the Jews, he opened it to the half-Jews, and he opened it to the Gentiles. How many in here are Gentiles? Say amen. amen. Glory to God, I'm glad he did. Amen. 
I'm glad the gospel got all the way down. To, I bet if, you, if God would let you see, you people that are into genealogies, if God would let you see the spirit, your spiritual genealogy, that this person got saved, and that 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 person got saved, got all the way down to you. Hallelujah. For the faithfulness of people to witness and talk about Jesus. The word church, ecclesia, is mentioned some 77 times in the whole of Scripture. It means to assemble. You can't video church. Now, now, get me right. We video. We're live streaming now. We got podcasts. We got sermons on iTunes. We, we do all of that. But it never is meant to replace coming to bodily, visibly, physically to a local church, going into a building or someplace where they meet, and hearing the preaching of the Bible, being in the presence of the Holy Spirit himself, because two or more are together, there I am in the midst. What we're doing here today is not reproducible over the electronic waves. Now, they can hear the message and get the understanding, and good things can happen from it, but it'll never replace the very, the very definition of the word. It means to assemble, come together. And that's what we're doing. I'm, I'm for it. When, they, when COVID came up and the president asked us to stop for two weeks, we did. Asked to stop for four weeks, we did. That's as much as I was willing to do. I said, May 1st, we're coming back together. If we all die, we're coming back together. Because God said, forsake not the assembling of, your, of yourselves together, as is the manner of some or custom of some. And so I said, well, if this was a black plague, the killing 80%, I'd still want to meet together. I wonder how many we'd have here, but nevertheless, I have no death wish, but I have a God who controls death. And I'm not going to die one moment sooner than he says it's okay to. And by the way, when I hear the trump, I'm ready, bro. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to sing right now. i got to quit. God likes to do the unusual and the seemingly impossible, and please get this word, the least likely. He likes to do the least likely things. God comes from left field, if, as we put it, so many times. Like the crossing of the Red Sea. Who would have dreamt that? Who would have ever thought? Moses up against the Red Sea, the Egyptians coming behind him. They got 600 chariots, all their whole army. They're going to get slaughtered like pigs. And he says, go forward. And they all look at each other. There's the Red Sea. Go forward. Put your, put your, put your uh, stick out there. Put it over there. Oh, surprise, surprise, as Gomer Pyle would say. Surprise, surprise, Shazam. How about, how about the crossing of the Jordan when he went over to take Jericho? You know, now, by the way, in Jericho, they had walls that were up to 80 feet high, and they could see the river's only three miles from Jericho, so you could see the Jordan River. Easy. 
There's no plant life in much in between there. And so they saw them come across. And what did they do? He stopped the Jordan River and it stood up like a wall while they crossed. On, on, if I was in Jericho, I'd say, oh, we in for it now. God likes to do the unusual, or if I may say the least likely. How about keeping Jonah alive in the belly of a fish for three days? That's a winner. Who would have thought of that? Feeding 5,000 out of five loaves and a couple fish. Who would have thought of that? How about walking on water? Who would have thought of that? Calming the tumultuous sea with one sentence. Who would have thought of that? Raising Lazarus to life after four solid days of being dead to the place they believed he was stinking. Who would have thought of that? Giving sight to a man with no eyes. Born blind, no eyes. Going down, spitting on the ground, grabbing some dirt and putting it in his eyes and saying, uh, uh, how you doing? Go wash. Who, who would have thought about that? Making an axe head float. I love that one. God is a God who loves to do the least likely things or the supernatural things. Uh, Jesus Christ told Peter that he would build the church. And like, like he consistently does, it was not possible. It was supernatural. The church of Jesus Christ in a local form is absolutely supernatural occurrence that you see. So let me, let me list a few things here that God does in the least likely way, and I take back that this is going to be short. <laughs> when a preacher gets up and says the message is going to be short, it's just simply frivolous. First of all, he chose the least likely men to build the church. He chose the least likely men to build the church. Unbelievable. Uh, the, he chose the, the apostles. I call them the dirty dozen. The apostles. I mean, they were crude fishermen, greedy tax collector, impetuous, hot-tempered, self-exalting men like James and John, Peter, that spoke before he thought. By the way, a disciple means a learner. Apostle means a sent one. They were uneducated, ill-trained in public speaking, socially common, crude in behavior. I bet when they ate, they talked with their mouth full. I'm like, how you doing? Oh, once in a while, a piece of food come out. Wouldn't surprise me. You say, surely not the apostle Peter. Oh, yeah, I think probably, most of all, probably Peter. Uh, he, he was, they were rough men. You say, well, I would have never chosen those people to have their name on the New Jerusalem. But they're going to have their names on the New Jerusalem. If I believe it's the foundations, 12 foundations of New Jerusalem have the 12 apostles. And I believe one of them is going to be the Apostle Paul. I may be wrong, but I think that's right. He was an apostle born out of due time, our due season. And he did call himself an apostle. He said, the signs of an apostle I've done. And, and so these men, according to the world, were the least likely to build a worldwide network of local churches that has, that has existed against every form of persecution, that has existed against every form of, of pandemic, and every form of economic trouble, 
and every form of war, and every kingdom that rose up against it, the church stands on the ashes of every king that swore against it. These men? Surely not. He could have chosen the rich, but he chose the poor. James 2.5, Hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith, heirs of the kingdom which he had promised to them that love him? He could have chosen the educated, but he chose the uneducated. James, John chapter 9, he says, For judgment I am coming to this world that they which see might not see. They which see. He chose people who couldn't read <laughs> to be the preacher. That they which see not might see. That they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him, these were the educated folk, heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. He could have chosen the socially acceptable people, the people with etiquette, manners, but instead, he chose the off-scouring of the world. Let me read 1 Corinthians 4, 10 through 13. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you're wise in Christ. We are weak, but you're strong. You're honor we are, uh, you're honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. And labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made the filth of the world and are the off-scouring of all things unto this day. I didn't make that up. That's what the Bible called the first leaders of the local church. Off-scouring, the least likely. He chose people with problems. There's hope for you. He chose Peter with his mouth, James and John with their anger, Paul with his, his self-righteousness, Matthew with his greed for gain and love of money. He chose unbelievable, least likely people to carry out and to make up his church. The second thing he did was he chose the least likely methods to spread the news. He didn't choose quiet talks or counseling, one-to-one. -one. He did not choose music as much as you like it. That's not his method. He chose preaching. He chose preaching. He chose preaching. Glory to God. Chose preaching in the Bible. Jesus preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The apostles preached, Acts 2, Peter, he preached. Acts 2 and chapter 3. Acts 8, 4 says, therefore they were scattered abroad, went everywhere, preaching the word. Music was not the driver. 
Music was not the key, was not the center of attention. It was the preaching of the Bible. What has happened today? Churches have flipped. 45 minutes, an hour and 15 minutes of singing and 15 little minutes sermonette. They have de-emphasized preaching and emphasized the wrong thing, music. Amen, that's good preaching, man. We should have had more and more. Amen. It is true. It's true. Um, you go on. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1.18 uh, 121 says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Amen? 1 Corinthians 126, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Who are, who are called? The least likely. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And God hath chosen base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. When he said, I will build my church, he meant it. Nobody would look at us and say, boy, that's a real talented group of people. And boy, I no wonder they have been able to build a local church. They would say, how in the world did they ever succeed? It must have been God. That's what we want. Amen? You don't want to hear him talk about a great preacher. You want to hear him talk about a great God. You don't want to hear him talk about a great program. You want to hear him talk about a great God of the church. And Jesus needs to be getting the glory. So we have least likely men, the least likely method, and we have the least likely message. He chose the least likely message to build his church around. Can I start out by saying the message of the gospel and around the gospel is simply an unbelievable message by the world? A virgin? A virgin? Getting pregnant without knowing a man? That was even big for Mary. She says, how is this going to happen being I've never known a man? Well, that's because God loves to do stuff that's unbelievable. God loves to do stuff that's least likely. And I'm going to have to say, that's got to be the most least likely thing in my mind, that this 14, 15-year-old girl would be impregnated by something called this invisible to us called the Holy Spirit. That's a Unbelievable message. And then, who, this person which was born with no human father uh, grows up. He gets baptized by John the Baptist. And when he gets baptized, a dove comes down, lands on his head. A voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Wow. You believe that? Then he begins to do all kinds of supernatural things like heal the lame, give sight to the blind, hearing to the dumb, food to those who don't have it, walks on water, stills the storm. 34 recorded miracles in the Gospels. And there are many, many more. That's just what he recorded. 
What an unlikely thing. Are people going to believe that? They're going to believe that? Um, after he's resurrected, oh, oh, by the way, he gets crucified. Three days later, he's resurrected from the dead. He walks through walls, appears in rooms. Ultimately, in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, he begins to float towards heaven. And some men in white around him said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into heaven? The same Jesus is taken up from you in heaven shall so come in like manner as you see him going to heaven. He's going to come back? What I'm trying to say is the message is simply unbelievable. But I believe. And millions and millions of people have believed this unbelievable message. It is the least likely message to build a group of people around. But God, what? what's that tell you? God did it. He used the least likely man. That means God did it. He used the least likely method. That means God did it. He used the least likely me a message. That means God did it. The Bible says he'll not share his glory with another. The last thing, he chose the least likely manner to do it. And that was with the Holy Ghost. He said in Acts chapter 1, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What Holy Ghost? What's he talking about? And you shall be witnesses because of this Holy Ghost power. The first thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to get to be a witness. How do you know you're filled with the Holy Ghost? You want a witness? You're not going to keep the message to yourself because it's natural and normal not to want to share this unbelievable method to people and have them laugh at you and cough at you and say it's not believable, it's not true. It goes against our grain to do it. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing you want to do is share this unbelievable message. And what's wild is when you share this unbelievable message called the gospel. Yesterday I was asked to do a funeral um, of some people I did not know, but casually. And I had a room of these people there that came to a funeral. And I got to give the, this wild message called the gospel to these people sitting there. And the beauty and the thrill that I have every time I get to give it is that God uses that message to birth people into his kingdom. Just like he birthed you. It's not explainable. It's the least likely thing that could happen. But God does it. And that's why he said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Because he's God. He can have us. He can build it with the least likely men, the least likely methods, the least likely message with the least likely manner. And we're going to sit back and say, that must be God. Now, what is all that? You know what that is? That's God's signature. God has placed his signature. Jesus has placed his signature on the local church. 
This is my church. I build it. I died for it. I shed my blood for it. And I'm going to do it in a way the world would never do it. They'd never do it this way. The, uh, <laughs> the uh, methods for church building. If you want to if you want to read some stuff that takes all the glory away from Jesus and puts it all to us, read church growth methods. Every time I get in one, I, and I go, I look at the, I look at the books, and you know, I even implement some of them. There's Kleenexes everywhere you go a gospel. Amen. That's because Christians ought to be crying some. There's hand cleaner everywhere you go before COVID. That's because Christians need to wash their hands once in a while. <laughs> I mean, that's all church growth. There's blacktop in the parking lot. Church growth. But not for a moment do we believe Gospel Baptist Church has grown by any of that stuff. We believe Jesus grew this place and has grown us. People come to me, I'm getting old. And this week, I'm going to be 69 years old if I live so long. Now, you 80-year-olds, just, you just put your fingers in your ears and, and don't be telling me I'm not old. I'm going to hit you if you do that. And uh, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. I am old, waxing old. Uh, what, they, what it said about David, he died at 72 years old. He lived a long life and he was waxed old and full of days, the Bible says. Now, you know, 82, 82 89 year old, oh, oh, you're just a kid. That doesn't make me happy. Because I'm, I'm not going to deny the reality that 50% of all men die before 70. And all I can tell you, if you made it past 70, it's only the grace of God that made it happen. Not your, oh, I took care of myself. Stop. Life and death is in the hand of God. How many people on the road were going to hit you head on and God said no? God saved you, and you're here because of Him today. I'm getting to be old, and people come to me, and they're getting worried. Gospel Baptist Church is beginning to get worried because I'm getting old. What are we going to do without you, preacher? You're going to do better. You're going to do better. Do I need you to repeat after me? You're going to do better. Is there not a God in heaven? He could raise somebody like Chris up to be a way better preacher than I am and a better shepherd and, a, and, and wiser and deeper and, and, this, and this place may grow more if the Holy Spirit sees fit and it may do better. It doesn't always have to go down. Now, I just choose to believe that God builds His church and the God that built this thing from, from a little handful of people is the God that can continue it past one guy coming or going. I thank the Lord that you're going to miss me, but you ain't going to cry a day over me. Some of you, 
Now, never mind. But, you know, because God forbid the man gets the glory. We give it the glory to Jesus. Father, help us. Thank you for the few minutes together. Thank you for the word of God that tells us who builds the church. May we stick together. May we be unified together. May we hold on to your word together, practicing what the Bible tells us to do. Uh, Lord, if there be somebody in this room without Jesus Christ, their personal Savior, they don't know if they die, they go to heaven. Oh, my, you're at the right place. It's the right time. We can show you what it means to be saved and have your sins forgiven. The Bible says, Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Do you just believe enough to believe that? Do you believe enough to, enough to say that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life? Do you believe enough to believe that? Why don't you ask Jesus to save you? Believing he died, was buried, and rose again the third day. Oh, Father, do it again. Cause a miracle to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.